This episode of Speaker Supplied is made possible by our generous patrons. Special thanks to our supreme and master speakers Omeji Cat Comet, Erisu Yamakawa, Circuit Barakil, Alex Franco AV, Winebow Brood, Psyche, Asuta Starbreeze, Cletus Oreo, Nina Grimstotter, Nat Clay, Lily Black, Bob Cece, Mictor Rabentau, Sapa Chakwatol, Edwin, Arcadia Lunashine, Umbral Wind, Quick Levin, Pamela Isley, Camille Grino, Elenriel Maximus, Code Ruth Novelist, Mira Miri, Bay Barbale, Suno Shikano, Celestau Natrell, Lazy Boy, A Bag of Dragonite, Luke Osborne, Pandalu Storm Arrow, Tex, Kylin, AJ Brainswordson, Anathus Moonscar, Arthur Law, Beridan Derard, Cypup, Spencer Christmas, Noy Fafnir, Chesha Saltiri, Celine Delune, and Webster Wolf. Support the show and become a patron today at patreon.com slash speakersxiv. Thank you. Good evening, Aorsians. Welcome to Speakers of Fidelin, episode two, th 302. I'm Lakeel Bravestone, and I'm joined today by Georgi Wiston and Mela Vanadar. Hey, welcome. Uh, we are still not ready. To, still not used to getting into the 300s, are we? No, <laughs> it's going to take a while. Also, uh, Rollo isn't here uh, because he's moving. That's a joke. He's not moving again. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's busy, so uh, he'll be back next week. Um, today's main topics, uh, there was an interview with Yoshi P with, uh, well, there was an interview in the Japanese game magazine Game uh, that has some very interesting points that we will be discussing today, um, as well as... Um, uh, lots of other things, but also we are going to talk about Final Fantasy 16 having uh, had its trailer dropped because it's quite significant for many reasons. Um, one of them being that a lot of the people that have worked uh, and are working on 14 are also working on 16. Um, so, uh, also, Mogmail, speakers.com slash Mogmail, um, for, to send us your Mogmail. <laughs> Stay tuned for the post-show. We'll be answering questions from the syndicate, um, and that's the show. Uh, I think we can just jump into it. Uh, here is recent events. Right. So, uh, in recent events, uh, we have, uh, I guess we can talk about the, um, well, spoiler warning, I suppose, because we are going to talk about the Make It Rain event right now. Uh, we're going to review it. Um, mm -hmm. So, if you, for some reason, don't want to get spoiled, uh, you can mute us, uh, and you can just look at this um, slide, and when that slide... <laughs> Switches, you know we're done. Wait, what? Wait. <laughs> Say that. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> that doesn't look to be correctly. <laughs> that is, we are not doing... Okay, if you've muted, unmute now, because you might be confused looking at that slide. We are not doing... If the you've muted, game. unmute now. <laughs> 
whatever. We're not doing the Yoshi P game interview. We are doing the Make It Rain. See, this is because we did this last minute. I didn't remove the text on the slide. So that's that's spoilers for the last slide. That is the title for the last slide. Um, all right. Anyways. That's not the image, though. That is not the image. Well? That is not the image. I just slapped the image in and didn't remove the text from before. So uh, that's that's what's happened here. Um, anyways, uh, cacked uh, pot, not cacked pot. Uh, make it rain, 2020. Um, uh, I'm gonna fix that while we're talking about it. Uh, so, okay. so this event uh, is uh, ongoing. It's the summer event in 14, if you will, uh, okay. other than Moonfire Fair. Other than the summer event. Yeah, yeah. and the actual yeah, summer the event. Actual summer event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the pre-summer. Yeah, it's the pre-summer. Um, well, depends on who you ask, <laughs> because I'm so... We have had this discussion before about, like, when does summer and when um, do the seasons begin? It's summer now. Yeah. Yeah. It is summer now, yeah. But it's the pre-summer event, then it's Moonfire, then Rising. Well, yeah. the whole... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite a short event. Yes. Uh, but it's interesting because although it starts in Uldar and you'd expect to go to the Gold Saucer, no. Mm. We go to Lompsa Lampsa. Lompsa Lampsa. Can I say... I was annoyed that it started in Uldar and then because I was in Limsa already. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the event starts in Uldar. I'll go to Uldar. Yeah. And then like, let's go Limsa Limsa. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're trying to spread the joy of gambling to the pirates. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's not enough people go, apparently. Um, no. Um, so you meet the little sabotender and it's trying its best, uh, but people are not impressed. It's sad. Uh, well, they don't have context for him, so because no. he can't speak. No, I don't. I still don't like their name because presumably it's Senor Sabatenda. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. because it will not show the tilde oh, on yeah. the N, I cannot read it as anything other than like Senor Sabatenda. Yeah, was, and it's so <laughs> annoying. Senor, uh... like hello, Senor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Essentially, it's just one of those uh, help him out quests where oh, it's you're... very weak. It is very weak. I didn't mind this one because I thought it was like it. It didn't try to be anything more than it was. Mm -hmm. That is true. I'll at least agree to that. I will say I am always it... fascinated by because a lot of the times they will use uh, uh, seasonal events to be like um, sort of a testing grounds for for other systems. And I don't mm -hmm. know if this is something new, but if it if it isn't, it's something they use very rarely. But so at some point you get to talk to him. You have a list mm -hmm. of things you can ask him. Oh yeah. As you ask them, they get grayed out instead of being removed from yeah, the list. Yeah, I noticed that. Which I There's thought was that I'm not sure I've seen. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't get grayed out for me. They were removed. They, they were grayed no, out. No, they got grayed out for me. Yeah. Maybe like you just you said, don't remember it, but <laughs> it definitely happened. You remember when you had to ask him about I mean, the four? Like I know what you're. I know what. You're, oh, <laughs> those ones. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. I thought you were talking about when you went to the other people after you went no, through no. that. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. They disappeared. Okay. No, that that, was just that's fine. Stupid, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It, it, essentially, he's not. Sh he can't talk while he's in costume. No. To keep the illusion up that he's actually a cactus. Mm -hmm. Um. And so you agree to be his spokesperson and you go and talk about the four main parts of the gold saucer. It's drinks, 
Well, there's uh, the f four like interesting things about the gold sauce that aren't as well known. So it's like cuisine and drinks, um, the hot babes, yeah, in cool costumes or whatever. Uh, the, the ease of getting part. there and the ease of getting yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. riches to be had, which surely is the main point of it. But um, then you have to go and talk to four different people. Yeah. Um, in any order Did you, you choose. Do all of them on the first. Did you all do all of them on the first go? I only I, I got three out of them. four. I didn't get um, the pirate captain lady on the first try. Yeah, I completely yeah, forgot about one. her love interest. Yeah, that's one. Uh, I knew about the love interest, but I was like, surely that's not the answer here. Yeah, and I was, I was annoyed like, she wants, that was she my wants second treasure. Choice. Yeah, because she's a pirate. That's what I thought too. That's yeah. exactly the one I went after. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I got the But then when I was like, okay, yeah, fine. She wants to do something with Carbolin. Yeah. 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 Um, you talk to the Bismarck owner. Mm -hmm. You talk to uh, not Sissy Poo, the other, the leader Wawa of the Margo. fishing. Wawa, yeah. And you and talk to Kyokurun. Kyokurun. Which Who I'm I... surprised by because I didn't think he'd be allowed in there because it's technically part of Uldar. That is true. True. I guess it's it not may... the city itself, which is the only part that has the basement ban, but mm -hmm. like, I know it would have extended to the gold saucer. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice though. I like the way they shake, <clears throat> constantly shaking. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just twitching all the time. Bless them. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. Then they get a call from the gold source to say abort, abort. Something's gone wrong, and you're like, oh no, what's gone wrong? Mm -hmm. Too many people because they yeah. are light. We're suffering from success. Yeah, and uh -huh. that's it. And then it just you it leaves you in the hallway towards the well, airship landing. I, I really like though, like because. Uh, they give us the emote, you know, the present left or right, mm -hmm. whatever it's called. Um, but during the quest, when you introduce the sabotender, that's when you do it the first time, which mm -hmm. is kind of funny. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I say? Go on. I'm surprised we don't have a sabotender outfit already. Yes, I was thinking mm. that for the whole thing, and then I was like, maybe there's something new in the price that I'm not seeing. No, nothing. This feels like the time of year they should add gold saucer. Like glamours, yeah, mm -hmm. and they never seem to do that. Well, oh, I think it's well, going to be saved for a future make it rain event. Oh, I yeah, guess, but sure. um, yeah, I, I, it's not like a, it's definitely not the best make it rain. It's not an amazing event, but part way through, I got scared um, that we were going to have a repeatable quest where you can talk to like up to like twelve NPCs <laughs> and have different and I, I don't want that. No. I'm glad it was just a short event. Yeah. Like that, but like yeah, and not every time. you wouldn't want to. No. Uh, not yeah. for make it rain. No. It, and again, I mean make it rain is sort of a special quest sorry, is um seasonal event because you never really know if you're getting a full quest line or if it's just mm. the season. Uh, but hey, we got something. Uh, so I'm not. Yeah. It's different when we judge or review Make It Rain. I think because yeah, I I thought this was a very middle of the road seasonal event compared for considering all the ones we've gotten this year so far. Yeah, it's not the oh, worst. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we've had some bangers for Make It. The, the investigation ones really, really do something. For get, me. I enjoy them a lot. Yeah, we've mm -hmm. get. We do get those occasionally, but I think they don't want to do them every year because no, one, I it think makes it would sense. get old, and two, it's like quite a lot of effort for them to put into it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm fine with this. It's fine. We still get fifty percent extra MGP for like three mm -hmm. or four weeks. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yes, and if you've done the Endwalker storyline, you will see some Lockrits in in uh. Oh yeah, uh, I Rear didn't Gold have a hang around yet. Around. Around. That's will, cool. Big you can around. hear them by their humming. Yep. Oh. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Make it rain 2022. It's worth doing. I mean, if only f uh, for the emote, I guess. I mean, it's okay. technically two emotes, emote? isn't it? So Yeah, it is. Yeah. The emote surprised me that it has like the visual effect with it as well. Yeah. I agree. I think that wasn't made clear from the screenshots to me up until now. No. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Although apparently they stack and you can make like an obnoxious cloud of emotes. So that's mm -hmm, cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we should try and do that. Yeah um okay so that's uh make it rain 2022 um moving on to the special site there's been an update or a couple um i guess we'll just jump into the website and have a look at what's new um so we have uh you know the usual stuff that we've seen before I really should have just clicked that. We button. haven't looked at the um, Thornton model, by the way. We didn't cover that when, oh, when no, it was upgraded because it was the only thing there. Oh, God. It's beautiful, but it's on the wrong I know. It's range. very white, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. Um, there it is. A render. This is, really hurts my eyes. But... Well, a dragon King <laughs> sword. Yeah. Yes. Um, Such a good stop looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. The moving on. That was. I mean, there's mo there's just pictures uh, that's been added. Mm -hmm. Sickard, he's here. In what's that lad doing? He's do up to something. Uh, in uh, you said Sickard, and it is Sickard, but for some reason I thought you were saying Sigurd, and I was like, I'm Assassin's Creed. <laughs> No, uh, it's sickered. Uh, I love. Mm. Yeah, oh, he's God. a good goodie boy now. Stay on what I click on. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's intriguing. We're gonna dive into well, his storyline. They had told us that it will be us saying thank you to all the NPCs that helped us through the Endwalker storyline. So I guess yeah. we're starting mm -hmm. in them. So yeah. Um, then there's this. It's very intriguing. Uh, picture mm. for the Omega Beyond the Rift storyline. Um, we're going to talk to the Watcher, uh, so maybe we'll learn more about him through Omega. I, yeah, I thought we'd be traveling with more than just Alpha and Omega, but I'm happy with that. I'm fine mm. with that. I thought other NPCs would get involved because, yeah, there's Wedge. Yeah, we we do. Uh, I just I didn't expect this at all. I expected just straight up just Ultima Thor, and that was the main goal, but. Interesting search the moon. Yeah, because mm -hmm. Omega very is very interesting to stop by the Watcher. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people wanted to know more about. I mean, me included. We don't know anything yeah, really about we... the Watcher, so yeah, it's who is that lad? To learn more. Um, uh, yeah, this is is this also on the moon? It's hard to tell. I uh, no, this looks no, like don't... this looks like Thormazine. Yeah, I think this is. I love that I've to shield my eyes for the lights. To <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's where the Ragnarok is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we probably are going to Ultima Thule as well. Yeah. It would make sense with the name and the context of the zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, somehow further Hildebrand adventures. Not many, I mean, uh, it's Hildy and... It's, uh, yeah. Maracas. Yeah. So Hildy is in... On the first, but Nashu is in Thavnir. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. This this means no, this means nothing to Mela contextually, but this is very interesting for Lakia. Well, I know. Mm-hmm. I I do know he. Well, was hard blasted off. Yeah. I, no, I don't know what happens well, to her. Well, Nashu wasn't blasted off. She was actually. No. Was she? Oh yeah, everyone was. Both, Even yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, you're right. They were blasted off. So she must have made it back then. In, or I don't mm-hmm. know. Has she always had a plaster on her face? Uh, no, I don't think oh, so. It's been... that, that's been a while. <laughs> I, ha- I haven't done this in Stormblood, so I don't remember. Um, no, wait, only Hilda got pulled into the... Oh. Sure, now she got pulled into the portal. I think she jumped in after them. She was last. I I don't remember. You're going to have to use your new yeah. game plus. Y- yeah. And do that last quest again to get the uh, yeah she did fall get back in the okay. mood I guess yeah, yeah yeah I do I do have a memory of, of of her going in there as well so I think I remember it looking very weird because as she was going in the portal she was doing her jumping animation right right uh okay well the spoilers are on the website as well so you know there you go um this is big hype uh, the Arc tribal mm-hmm. quests. Um, we... Hippoplotamus. Yeah, I think. I think the... Yeah, go on. I would have preferred if it was just a hippopotamus. Hundred percent agree. Oh yeah, the two hundred percent Because we don't have the physics for this. This will look stupid and dumb when you turn. And this I... makes yes. sense for the quest line because we see them <laughs> racing them. Yeah. It... But then let's just let's just ride on a big floppy hippo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think we all Very agree. Small hippo. Is that a small? That's a Rogadon riding that though. It's a pretty big. It's a pretty huge though. Yeah, maybe it's a big. Think how big the Marid is. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's a baby. Hippos are like the sizes of. Hippos are like the sizes of like a large cow. Yeah, I think Uh, think that's pretty. Maybe. I mean, this uh, it's hard to. I don't know if it scales with the the race or whatever. I don't know. It's hard to see yeah. the scale here. And then, of course, the thing that I've dreaded uh, the most: custom delivery. Nice Amelians in her correct outfit. Yeah, and and a woman. Woman. Um, who is? I don't know. A servant of the house. A scholar. She looks like a scholar based on the outfit. Is, but I, I don't is she assume. from the studium? Possibly. I assume she's from the studium, but I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, okay. I believe that's all that's new. All right. Uh, yeah, that's that. That's what's not uh, about to go on. But, no. Um, no. Nice of them to update us, I guess. Yeah. Um, we are, of course, just a. F- few weeks no a week no less than that it's a week away yeah it's a week yeah Uh, it'll be up by the time this this the on demand is out yeah you'll already be playing it podcast it's on the 7th yeah so it's uh it's wild so drop a comment about how wrong we were about everything Uh, (laughs) yeah 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 let us know i always hate that because we in in that sense our our podcast is at a very inconvenient time because it's always like right before a patch is released so Mm. (laughs) we're always slightly off when we go on but oh well um i guess we'll mention this the lease outfit is now on the final fantasy 14 online store uh congratulations lease 
It's gender one locked part. and undiable. It's a onesie. Yeah. Undiable. Mm -hmm. It is one For part. And the, interestingly, the hairstyle is gender locked as well, which I think is the first time that's been the case. I could be mistaken, but normally, even if you buy the outfit for the opposite, and it's a character's outfit for the opposite gender, you can still use the hairstyle. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of person Lee says. Yeah. Oh, no, it's I always see. been gender locked, and Emric was the only exception. Okay. My, okay. My selfish. Um, I wouldn't. I I personally dislike all the like NPC outfits. I think it's kind of stupid as well. Because I you prefer know to just see them on NPCs. Yeah, it kind of ruins the uniqueness of the, yeah. the characters when you start. Mm -hmm. The hairstyles, but, maybe. But I will say they often release them long after, like oh yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So that's the saving grace of them. Yeah, like but, we can't use your shoulders. We can't use your shoulders current outfit, can we? I, I could be mistaken. So, yeah. I don't keep up with the the four, Final Fantasy fourteen online no, still. Same. The only thing that it would be positive about this is if, I mean you can clearly see it has oh, we can a chest it. piece, <laughs> leg piece, foot piece, arm mm -hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. Just break it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Well they're the so, thing is it's the... odd that they're so restrictive about it. But. Well, I think they program them as like one set when they make them for the NPCs because they never intended to break them up. And then, oh like, yeah, and because of how they put in an iota of effort for the ones that's you have what to well, it's that's also, what I'm thinking as well. Like, why? It's also because yeah, go on. It's also because like some of these physically change the model of the character using them. Like Minfilia's makes your bust larger, and then he oh, gives yeah. you larger musculature. So like, it's possibly affecting like the whole character model, not just like a, a layer on top of it that's yeah, why i but... think i i think the outfit is sort of a, a whole model in itself so you yeah it's hard to chop and change yeah that's true well there you go there it is uh if you want to buy that you can um i just i have never seen the appeal of just looking exactly like an npc knowing that mm. you are not that npc and you I, look like yeah, a cheap i can understand be. it if you're just one of making like take screenshots i don't get it if for people that want to go through the msq like this no, it feels no. it would feel very it'd take me out of it yeah also but this yeah. is lisa's sec this yeah. is lisa's worst outfit yes agreed yeah anyways you do you do whatever you want i don't care yeah. but uh you have the option whatever Okay, uh, next, um, we, we, we did this, we uh, read a part of this interview a couple of weeks ago, but uh, it wasn't last week, it was the week before. Was it? Or was it last week already? Uh, time. Don't what ask is it? Me. What is time? Uh, this is the second part of that interview. Um, this was done uh, to commemorate the, the 20th anniversary of Final Fantasy XI. Um, this one, we decided to read this one because it has a lot of, it has, in, there's some interesting stuff in this interview that's not n d just tied to Eleven, so that's why we're reading mm -hmm. it. Um, so, let's jump into it. So this is with Naoki Yoshida, um, and of course, uh, the director of, uh, Final Fantasy Eleven. The boss man. The boss man Mats on the right. Matsui. Matsui. Producer Matsui. Yeah, producer that, Matsui. His first name is Producer. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Matsui. I don't remember. God, I'm sorry, 11 players. I don't remember any 
you know, let's That's just... okay. Let let the memories fade, Lukil. <laughs> let, let those memories be filled with better memories. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's uh, jump into it. Development. So this one just assumes you've read part one. So here we go. We're just jumping mm -hmm. straight in, as we say, in medias res. Development based on personal experience as a hardcore MMORPG player. Mr. Yoshida, I hear you have quite the background in playing MMOR. Oh yeah, there's also this mysterious third person that is not given a name. <laughs> so that's asking the questions. The interviewee, yeah. interviewer, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I hear you have quite the background uh, in playing MMORPGs. What was your first experience with the genre? Yoshida says, that, that'd be Ultima Online, which I'd played since beta. Before I started, people were talking about how you defeat deer to obtain materials for sewing a, a vest, which could be sold for a high price. It made me go, what on earth are they talking about? And that intrigue was how it all started. And sure enough, when I started playing, I found myself defeating deer and selling vests. <laughs> for me, earning money in this manner while also making myself stronger was a very new game experience. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Uh... It was also an enormous shock when I learned that 3,000 people could play at the same time. Before that, Diablo was the only online game I knew, so I'd always uh, thought of four players as the maximum. There's also some disclaimer, like just some asterisks yeah, for those zoomers. that don't know. For the Zoomers. Who don't, so, know what, who don't know what Ultima Online and Diablo are. Yeah, I don't so, think we need to explain this. Maybe to we have these. Zoomers. Ultima Online okay. is a game released in 1997. See, so I wonder if we have... Well, that's probably what your parents a lot of Well, yeah, your here's parents the thing. Were I know we, we have viewers exactly. that are younger uh, Ultima Online is a game released in 1997 and is widely considered to be a pioneer of the MMORPG genre. Yeah, if you're into MMORPGs, you should know of, at least know of Ultima Online. Um, Diablo... Again, I feel like most people know, is a hack and slash game released in 1996 by Blizzard Entertainment and is considered what? to be a pioneer of multiplayer online role playing games. I thought it was a pay to win mobile MMORPG released yesterday. <laughs> I wouldn't describe it like a hack and slash. It is. It's an ARPG. It's a, it's a hack and slash. Diablo. I do understand there's a. Yeah, I because for me, hack and slash feels I've, third person. like. No. No, 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 no. Diablo is definitely. Well, it's a, it's an AR, it's a rogue. It's very. It's hard. It's Diablo. <laughs> it's a procedurally generated ARPG. Yeah. It's a roguelite because I just the fact that like th three out of seven classes in Diablo two at least don't even use like, like magic classes. Yeah. Dungeon crawler ARPG is yeah probably a more accurate okay. term for it. Have you have you ever thought about? Yoshi P, like twenty-year-old Yoshi P, playing Ultima online. Ah, uh, I mean, it it, it evokes jealousy in me, Gergi, because <laughs> what a dream, eh? Yeah, just chilling playing Ultima online, you know, back in the day, mm -hmm. just hunting deer and selling vests. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, Matsu says. Considering how the game allows users to place objects on the overworld, I can only imagine that it involved an outrageous amount of data traffic. Yoshida says, it's actually not that Why? bad. Ultima Online features isometric 2D graphics rather than 3D graphics. The overworld is also designed as a grid with designated patterns for the cells. So the system only thinks about changing between different cells, similar to the meshes of modern standards. 
it, it was an ingenious idea that even allowed game masters to rewrite cell information in real time. It's an incredible design. I believe it's a quintessential sandbox MMORPG that remains unsurpassed even today. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. In some respects. Uh, Ultima Online was very unique. Like, you could just have a house anywhere, mm -hmm. and, like, there was the person who assassinated Lord British. Right. What a, like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very... It's, maybe EVE Online would be a better sandbox, potentially, but very different genre. Mm. But it's hard to get a sandbox right. Yeah, it is. It is. Because what often happens in sandbox, can happen in sandbox games, is that you have a sandbox MMO, and then the players are like, hmm... What do I do? <laughs> what yeah. is what is going on here? Where where am I? Why am I naked? Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Matsu, uh, Matsui says, assuming you were already a game developer by that time, did you have any uh, interest in creating an MMORPG yourself? Yoshida says, I did. Uh, I'd say I wrote my first proposal for an MMORPG after working in the game industry for about three and a half years. Back then, Hudson Soft believed they would eventually need more than their existing series in order to stay in business, and often held contests for new projects. I wrote three proposals or so around that period, one of them being a space exploration MMORPG. Oh. Incidentally, the other proposals were to bring back Dungeon Explorer as a multiplayer title for the PlayStation 2 and a multiplayer FPS. Um, okay, so we don't have to really explain who, what Hudson... I think we've... I mean, it is interesting that Hudson Soft merged with Konami in 2012. Mm. They were the people who made the smash hit Bonk. Yes. I think we've talked about that quite yeah, recently. We have, we have. They're also obviously what uh, Hudson Soft has also obviously made Mario Party and all that. So we've mm -hmm. we've definitely that's talked what about I this. primarily know them for and Bomberman actually. Yeah, and yeah. Bomberman. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Bunk. Yeah, and then Dungeon Explorer. This one might need some clarification. Dungeon Explorer is an action RPG for PC engines released in 1989. I mean uh, that predates all of us except you, Lucio. I was waiting yes. for it. I you was, were, I, I was waiting for then. it. I was waiting for it. So you'd been warming up to the idea since the golden age of MMORPGs, <laughs> says someone. Uh, I'm assuming the interviewer. Yoshida says, at the time, Hudson Soft had developed equipment for the PS2 and knowledge of internet-related specifications, so I felt we could make an MMORPG. Uh, with that said, it wa I was a PC user even back then, and I remember writing the proposal while thinking, if it's going to be an MMORPG, it should be on PC. Were you also a PC gamer when it came to online games, Mr. Matsui? Matsui says, yes, I was. However, it was the opposite for me, where it was the lack of online games for the PS2 that inspired me to purchase a PC. Okay. Okay, there you go. Um, mm -hmm. Mr. Yoshida, you mentioned you were hooked on Ultima Online, but what did you think of EverQuest, which was just as popular? Again, EverQuest, EverQuest is an MMORPG released in North America in 1999. I mean, EverQuest is also like one of the big important Oh, it's pillars. the first theme park. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yoshida says, uh, uh, I played a little bit of EverQuest, but thought getting hooked on this would interfere with my everyday life <laughs> and fled to the Dark Age of Camelot. Oh my God, oh we're going to have gosh. so many references here. 
Um, beta test. The PvP one. For yeah. We'll get to that. I was actually quite busy with Bomberman 64, the second attack, when EverQuest oh, launched. Wow. So I was uh, a latecomer to the game. And when I finally got around to playing it, I ended up not sleeping a wink until I reached level 8. So for those that didn't know, Dark Age of Camelot is an MMORPG launched in 2001 by Mythic Entertainment. The game Ugh, focuses on Mythic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the game focuses on combat and exploration with large-scale realm versus realm battles mm -hmm. being a notable characteristic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a big one. Um Matsu says considering EverQuest's game design back then, reaching level 8 must have taken a really long time. Yoshida says, it sure did, uh, laughs. My co-workers were also, were also so hooked on EverQuest that they never logged out, let alone came to work. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> if I wanted to get in touch with them, it was quicker to catch them in Norath, the, the setting of EverQuest. One of my senior co-workers who lived across the street from the office was scheming to hook up the company's <laughs> internet to his apartment, which was obviously completely out of line, laughs. That's funny. Jesus. Uh, Matsu says, those kinds of stories were common during the golden age of online games, weren't they? Laughs. Yoshida, when I came to my senses and realized this could be a serious problem, that was when I heard that the beta test for De Dark Age of Camelot <laughs> was about to begin. So instead of aiming to be the best in the world in EverQuest, I shifted gears and set out to achieve that in De Dark Age of Camelot. Okay. Crack fiend going from one drug to the next. <laughs> I don't want to get addicted to this one. That's, maybe this one's a bit, bit yeah. softer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you were quite famous as top ranker in Dark Age of Camelot. During this peak of your MMO lifestyle, the oh, Final, Fantasy... <laughs> the Final <laughs> Fantasy series announced their emergence into the MMORPG market. What were your thoughts on it back then? Yoshida says, to be honest, it seemed very obvious to me that the game would basically be an, a Final Fantasy version of EverQuest. I really agonized over whether or not to play it, but the more I looked into Eleven, the more it reminded me of EverQuest, the game I'd been running away from. <laughs> uh, so you believed EverQuest and Eleven would be very similar? In my opinion, yes. I saw it as using Final Fantasy to spread the MMORPG genre. However, Eleven wasn't the first instance of that sort of phenomenon, which was always been common in the game industry. It was the same. It was in the same vein as, for example, how Wizardry and Ultima are computerized versions of tabletop RPGs, TRPGs, or how Dragon Quest and the Black Onyx are RPGs that were localized into console games. I see. Yoshida says, with these things in mind, and the fact that I was already aiming to be a world-level ranker in Dark Age of Camelot, I was thinking I could start Final Fantasy XI a little later. However, I still kept an eye out for information on the game and often theorized on the reasoning behind their implementations. For example, with the mob tagging system, where the first party to attack a monster gains possession of it, I imagined it was intended to prevent console players from competing over monsters. Um, so Final Fantasy XI was a subject of research for you. Yoshida says, yes, that's right. As someone who'd played various MMORPGs, I thought it'd be best to let everyone attack the monsters and have the loot distribution based on contribution. The mob tagging method would just end up with players competing to be the first to attack monsters, and the risk of players using external tools to directly attack monsters' packets... And I remember thinking it was a bold choice for the development team to make. <laughs> so, just saying a little a bit of criticism. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mob tagging is not a good That's a bad idea. system. It, it, it is. It, it discourages team play, essentially. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, and yet they brought it back in Eureka. They yeah. did. Yeah, they did. A lot of MMOs have brought that back, like that system. A lot of MMOs still have that system, so it's um, it's interesting. Um, so, um, uh, Matthew says, At first, I was also hesitant about the mob tagging problem, but after our team tried playing EverQuest... Uh, I felt that vying over loot wouldn't mesh well with the personalities of Japanese players. Vying over loot means you need to speak up (laughs) and argue for yourself (laughs) when there's a debate, or directly confronting the opposing party for your own benefit. Because Japanese people tend to struggle in those areas, we placed system-side limitations to make it as fair as possible. We also removed all hints of PvP elements that might lead to a hostile environment, Mm -hmm. such as player killing and kill stealing for similar reasons. Do you want to know what what kill stealing is? Well, here it is. Kill stealing refers to defeating a target that is already engaged in combat with another player to 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 usurp the reward. Usurp? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Usurp. Yoshida says, The concept of thinking ahead of the players to protect them is a very console game-like... It's a very console game-like mindset, and I think it's very good. On the other hand, determining loot distribution based on damage dealt is easy to understand and feels fair, even if it doesn't go your way. Mm -hmm. It's not really a matter of which method is better, since both have their pros and cons. Matsuya says, in our case, I can feel that... Sorry, uh, I feel that we adopted a system that better suited Japanese players who were new to the MMORPG genre. Speaking of systems, were there any other parts of Eleven that stood out to you aside from its garbage collection? So in the in the first part, we didn't read the la- second part of we. So this might sound weird, but in the second part of the first part of this interview, they talked about garbage collection in Eleven and how fa- is how there good anything it is. that stands out to you about Eleven other than it's garbage? Well, here's 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 what garbage collection is. Garbage collection is a feature that automatically frees up unused memory space. In the first part of the interview, Yoshi P was speaking very highly of Eleven's garbage mm-hmm. collection system because yeah. it is it very good. It. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yoshida says, the question of how should we turn the Final Fantasy series into an MMORPG where players share the same world was answered by using the self-expressive job system from Final Fantasy 3 and by placing uh, emphasis on the storyline in an MMORPG which resulted in Final Fantasy 11. I believe Mr. Hiramichi, that's Tanaka, made this possible as the person who brought Final Fantasy III into the world. Uh, Not just simply creating an uh, an MMORPG, but one with a Final Fantasy-style storyline. It was an uh, innovative idea for MMORPGs, and Final Fantasy XI is without a doubt the first MMORPG to achieve this. That's true. Mm. It's definitely the first very story-focused one. Yeah. To go from making 3 to making 14 1.0. Mm. And then to sadly get kicked out of the company because of it. Yeah. It's a sad story. It's a sad story. Yeah. The fall and further fall of Hiramichi Tanaka. Yeah. Which is, I always think the way he was... uh, We don't know what happened to Tanaka, okay? No. No. He was steadily... He went from, like, game director to programmer to, like cleaner mm-hmm. and they just pushed him down yeah, the ranks no, no, no. <laughs> he, he was he was put back in 11 but i think i think you're on to something though because i think they they lessened his workload over time yeah, did, and then yeah. eventually mm-hmm. he just had to like that's a yeah. very common japanese business tactic to yeah, put people mm-hmm. into positions that may even be like technically 
higher up in rank but like have less responsibility mm -hmm. and then they eventually leave because they get the message that like we don't need you here anymore yeah i just stay and get the money well yeah. that's very depressing yeah <laughs> for some people yeah hitanica yeah like i was gonna say the tanica we're, re we're reading about 11 now and it's essentially tanica going in to make a game with that still in his mind like the 11 mm. i mean we've talked about this to no end before so we don't we're not going to go back to that but yeah um tanico is still a great director and producer back then i i just don't know yes. if he can if he didn't adapt and that's what you no, know it's sadly. sad which is a shame because he adapted quite well for 11 yes it's just at a certain point he Stopped adapting. He, he just he got stuck in the past. He yeah. He looked backwards when he was making fourteen instead of looking ahead. So that's what that's yeah. what happened. Needed to research current MMOs and yeah. see where the genre was going. Yeah. Uh, okay, Matsu says to tell the truth, the Final Fantasy XI development team also had people who believed stories were unnecessary in MMOs. So, it, and that's very common, like for uh, classic MMOs, was that they were very light on mm. story. <laughs> it wouldn't be. It was all like background lore. It wasn't yeah. something you were taking part in. If you wanted to know the lore of an MMO back then, you'd have to like commit to that. Like there would be other, like there would be stuff online for you to look up and shit, um, or lore books, as in the case of World of World of Warcraft was like interesting in its approach but i feel like well, that's Warcraft more had previous law though with yes, the, the it, RTS it was games. building on something else so that's why it was so i had when i whenever i briefly stepped into world of warcraft is that whenever you talk to a quest npc you would get dumped with this long list of like text yeah, yeah. which was very unappealing to read yeah let's just say i'm not we're not saying that old mmos didn't have lore Lore is different no. from having a, no, they a had story. As much lore as 14, yeah. or most MMOs, sometimes more, sometimes less, they just didn't present a storyline like mm -hmm. 11 and 14. Yeah. So, yeah, Eleven's uh, development team uh, had a lot of people who believed stories were unnecessary in MMOs, so the planning stage of the game didn't consider a story as one of the main pillars of the game. At the time, most MMORPGs required you to spend most of your time leveling up, so players' gameplay time and levels were all over the place. On top of that, their story progression would also vary, so the question was how we'd keep everyone on the same page. Uh, then the interviewer interjects uh, pointlessly, so there were opinions like that after all. I had been thinking about this for years. Yeah. Matsu says, uh, yeah. <laughs> again delete that line you don't need it because he matsu literally mm -hmm. continues as if that interview didn't say anything <laughs> however the <laughs> final fantasy 11 development team at the time had mr kato and mr kigoshi uh, who argued that it was precisely because of those reasons that it would be meaningless for us to create a game without emphasis on story we were fortunate to have them since if our development team uh, only had system oriented people like me we probably wouldn't have been able to create the game 11 is now so, background on these people. Uh, Masato Kato is the game planner who was in charge of Eleven's plot up to Rise of the Xylart. And Yosuke Kigoshi is, the form, is formerly a game planner for Final Fantasy Eleven. 
Yoshida says, about how many people were involved with Final Fantasy XI at the time? Matsui says, that would be uh, anyone who wasn't working on Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy X. Wow, what a golden age right there. I know. People I know. working on mm. 9, 10, and 11, like at the same time. We really did live through the, Jesus. the peak of Final Fantasy's history. Yeah, and that's crazy because Final mm. Fantasy... 9 is a PlayStation 1 game and Final Fantasy 10 is a PS2 game and then you have 11 which mm. is a hybrid PS2 PC game. Uh -huh. Jesus Christ almighty. Uh all right. Mm -hmm. Um uh, that would be anyone who wasn't working on 9 or 10 which were being developed simultaneously. It was a joint effort between the Parasite Eve 2 and Brave Fencer Musha Musahi Musashi teams Musashi. from Osaka and the Mana and Chrono Cross teams from Tokyo. With the sheer number of people we had, it almost felt like we were destined to make something great. I guess. A lot of people, yeah. Yeah. From a lot of random different, like... <laughs> Parasite Eve, okay. Yeah. Yoshida says, with a roster like that, anyone assigned to the scenario team would be eager to create an amazing story, laughs. Matsui says, I'd think so too. And then he laughs. Yoshida says, oh. power is essential to game development, by which I mean something like a tremendous enthusiasm or strength in numbers. In Japanese, we often poke fun at the phrase, strength is the true power, but it's not exactly wrong. In the past, I asked Mr. Sakaguchi the candid question, would you have commanded everyone to work on Final Fantasy XI? To which he laughed wryly and answered, I would have waited till the very last minute, but would have gone through with it if necessary. So obviously, Sakaguchi, you should all know, mm -hmm. is the uh, one of the founders of Final Fantasy. Um, mm -hmm. Never heard of him. Uh, didn't he... No, never mind, I'm mixing them up. That would have been a textbook example of all hands on deck. Uh, Yoshida says, Perhaps that's how society accomplishes things when they really need to succeed. There may be varying opinions regarding how that style puts ongoing projects on hold or causes development to stagnate, but I'd say that was the culture or attitude of how things were run in the game development industry back then. Matsuya says, That's exactly what it was like to create an MMO. Oh, shh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, my computer's scrolled. Uh, oh, God. oh god, oh god, save it, uh, here we go. So you believed, uh, uh, oh god, um, we're almost there. Yeah. Garbage collection. Uh, that's exactly uh, what it's like to create an MMORPG. Yeah, that's exactly what during... it's like. Yeah, there we go. To create an MMORPG during the golden era of online games. The we're all going to make an MMORPG atmosphere was a greater cause that individual developers couldn't turn down in favor of other projects. And it also felt like running away from MMORPG development would make you a coward. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. You don't want to be known as that in Japan. No. Uh, going back to the topic of stories, Final Fantasy XIV's storytelling has also received high praise from going, uh, for, sorry, from around the world. As the director, did you always have a Final Fantasy-style story in mind for Final Fantasy XIV? Yoshida says... A story was essential, since there'd be no point in making a uh, Final Fantasy-style MMORPG without one. Furthermore, seeing as our goal was to create a numbered title to become the next Final Fantasy XI, I personally wanted to challenge ourselves to create an MMORPG with a story focused around one player. There still weren't any MMORPGs where the players were explicitly told, you're the hero of the story. So I wanted to delve into that concept and have players save the world in a straightforward manner. That's an interesting point, though, because that's sort of the 
that's sort of why MMORPGs are the way they are. Is that you're all just part of this world. So it, yeah, it's pretty bold to just be like you're the main character to everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it works mm-hmm. in fourteen's case, but I yeah. don't think it would work too many other times. Well, it's the direction they've taken. Wow, hasn't isn't it? Like, because originally it was more so. With yes, WoW, like you are one of the many, and now it's like you are actually very your important. hero. Yeah, yeah they, they've, 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 they've definitely now, yeah, yeah. They've, they've pushed right in that direction. Because originally, I, you, I think you, a lot of people don't like that. Originally, you were just witnessing events. You're just an adventurer. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I suppose your development experience with Dragon Quest X uh, Online played a large part in that. Yoshida definitely agree. Uh, Yoshida... Oh, no, sorry. Yoshida, I Yoshida. definitely agree. <laughs> sorry. Yoshida the, the, definitely the, agree. the formatting of this on, in our doc is, is fucked. Uh, Yoshida, I definitely agree. MMORPGs <laughs> are constrained by how they can't have player characters speak. But even then, defining them as your story will enhance the player's immersion and game experience. I see. So that became one of the con- contributing factors to Final Fantasy XIV's great success. By the way, I heard that early on in fourteen, you held back when it came to making the player character emotionally expressive. Was that another aspect of making the game feel more immersive? Yoshida says, That was because when players are still unfamiliar with the game, depicting their characters with over-the-top gestures runs the risk of the players thinking, That isn't me. More recently, however, since 14's story has progressed and presumably strengthened the bond between the player and their characters, we now depict emotional expressions quite often. Yeah. Which is kind of... Which is, for the most part, works. But as we saw with the ending of of Endwalker and how people respond to Xenos there, mm. it sometimes can be jarring. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. You're kind of taking some of the RP elements out mm-hmm. when you sort of force your character to do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matsu says, uh, I know what you mean. There's a considerable number of players who find it jarring when cutscenes force their character to, exp- to express oh, yeah. a certain emotion yeah. okay, without so their consent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, delving further into the story aspect, 14 features the name uh, names of monsters, weapons, and actions which originated from Final Fantasy XI. Was it the idea of former Final Fantasy XI developers to include these references? Matsu says, uh, it's not something we planned out extensively. That being said, Final Fantasy XI and XIV are the same in the way that they are both MMORPGs in the Final Fantasy series, and both borrow monster and item names from previous titles. So it's somewhat inevitable that they'll feature the same names. Furthermore, the proposal for Final Fantasy XIV originally began as a successor to Final Fantasy XI and intentionally included elements from XI. As for weapon names, considering how XI incorporates references from various mythologies it it'd be harder to make sure they, there aren't any overlaps then he laughs <laughs> yoshida says the 14 staff in charge of lore and items have a great respect for 11 so i believe the references come from their playfulness and their strong feelings towards previous titles in the series mr hayashi in particular has a long history of developing items for final fantasy 11 as well and he seems to bring over certain names that would evoke the memories of players who have played final fantasy 11 I've never given him specific instructions regarding that aspect, but I do ask him to check with me when he'll be using the name of an item with great importance to the series. Uh, and uh, Hayashi is the lead item designer for 14 right hey, now. Hayashi. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. 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 Y
okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we already know. Eleven, sorry, fourteen was eleven HD. Yeah, and, but and I mean, like, it is easier to port over models that already exist and yes. visually update them a bit than yeah. to start from scratch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But then, then, then you get some that are like, oh, it's just an eleven model, and then you get like the really cool new ones. I mean, but now mainly they've also started doing that with twelve. 13 and 15 models as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah i mean it's fine it's... that's the nature of final fantasy we get like models from other yeah. games that's just yeah, yeah. uh matsu matsu says uh, I, uh it's honestly quite a struggle to give names to things in long-standing titles like 11 and 14 yeshida says job names are especially tough laughs wryly <laughs> after <laughs> all there's no point if a job is similar to its namesake in name only. Its gameplay experience needs to match their pre-established design too. At this point, I'm thinking we have no choice but to come up with brand new jobs that haven't appeared in the Final Fantasy series before. It's I certain that everyone what? Uh, yeah. held on uh, latched onto when they heard this interview. Mm. Uh, I'm okay with that. I yeah. mean. I mean, I, I, I don't any... want to be able to keep predicting. He has said this there before are... as well. I mean, this isn't breaking news. They've no, talked about wanting no. to make brand new jobs for a while. I mean, even Sage, <clears throat> like, it is a job that has existed before, but it is in no way similar to what we have in 14. True. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Uh, okay, uh, so we're almost at the end. Uh, I certainly see why, considering there are already 22 jobs in 11 and 20 jobs in 14. Are we going to catch up to them? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to catch up. One more expansion. Well, if we get to next expansion, yeah. Oh, don't say it like that. Like, we're now going down to just one every expansion. I wouldn't be surprised, Mela. No. It's very hard to balance 20 different jobs. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was the game they've chosen to make. <laughs> you essentially got three new jobs with how Summoner changed this expansion, Mela. And especially, fair point, actually, I mean, yeah. also consider the fact that we have 20 jobs now in 14, eight years in, and 11 is 20 years old and it has 22 jobs. So they've had lots of time yeah. to like balance and prepare for that. Well, they've, they've, they've paced themselves better, but they set a precedence with yeah. 14 too early. Maybe. Yeah, well, they set a precedent with... With three dungeons every patch, and that's been going down as well, Mela. So yeah. yeah, to my chagrin. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so Matsu says, as long as new game elements aren't being introduced, new jobs are designed to fulfill a battle role that can already be filled by an existing job. That said, we can't release a superior version of a certain job, and a new job that offers the same experience as an existing one would defeat the purpose of adding a new job. Uh, oh. In that sense... It's very difficult to come up with a new job. So they can't make, like, Blacker Mage, which is even <laughs> stronger than Black Mage? Yeah. No, they can't Black Wizard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Black Wizard. Uh, Black Wizard. You should just... Yeah. Does, like... It's Fire 1 is just Flare, and yeah. then it gets stronger from there, right? <laughs> 
Uh, Yoshida says, from a system perspective, if the number of jobs is fixed and well-balanced, there's no need to add more, and adding new jobs would obviously cause a stir. But nevertheless, we always need to add more jobs to keep providing new gameplay experiences. Matthew says, back in Chains of Promethea, we were heavily criticized by foreign media for releasing a new expansion without any new jobs. Considering that, we might say it's a rule of design to provide either a new job or playable race as the main feature of a new expansion. It is exciting. Mm. It is very fair that, like, you should always have one or the other, if not both. Agreed. Mm -hmm. But I don't... It doesn't have to... Like, you know, if you didn't have a new race or class, but had, like, a third type of raid series or something, I'd still be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know... Well, the thing is that's not sexy in the sense that it doesn't come with the expansion itself oh, that's true. that is something that, that gets true. built on that's true that's true but they've yeah. set themselves up nicely with uh, limited jobs i know people didn't like it but i think it's a clever system to make it just fun op jobs to play around on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, they're essentially very expansive mini games yeah. exactly so i'm cool with that yeah Okay, well there you go. Uh, there is a third part as well, and I'm sure we'll we'll get we'll cover that oh, as well when it comes out. Uh, probably next week. Good. I think it's one per week. Um, Far mm-hmm. too many FF Roman numeral acronyms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So many. It does yeah. get a bit busy like that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to look at. Like, I mean, this is a eleven interview, but it's more about just like gate, like game development in general. Game like, development. Yeah. I find that interesting. Yeah. I like I like hearing about not just the good old days, but right what game development was like back in like the nineties and two thousands. Yeah. Much more I interesting like than hearing, it is now, I think. Yeah. I like hearing Yoshi P talk about his opinions on game development in general rather than mm-hmm. specifically relationship mm. to fourteen and now sixteen. Right. Well he hasn't really talked about sixteen yet, but no. he's, he's about- very just straightforward with it and just gives his opinion which I like rather than being all you know, bit coy. He's just like, yeah, this yeah. is good. This yeah. is bad. Like and, trying to maintain a mystery to the process right. of game development. Yeah, just tell us. And, it's fun. And it, uh, and this interview reminded me, like, yeah, this this will this is very interesting because Eleven was made in the golden age of MMORPGs, mm. but also the golden age of like Final Fantasy. Like, oh yeah, I was thinking about it recently, like, like mm. thinking like, oh. You know, we've missed so much of Final Fantasy, like, and you know, because a lot of it was in the eighties. But then I was like, no, we've seen most of the games released over our lifetime. Yeah, that's true. And mm-hmm. how big the gap I is think, between games now, and how good it was most, back then. Yeah, I think most people would argue that the golden age was six through ten, yes. and some would pick, some people would include eleven, especially now that people are more open to including the MMOs in the series as part of the mainline series, whereas before they were more so. Well, that's that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Okay, uh, that is uh, the we discuss Vanadil part two. Uh, stay tuned next week for uh, the continuation of that. Well, you mentioned sixteen. Um, we must acknowledge that it has been uh, it has it's happening. Uh, sixteen mm-hmm. is real. We even have a release, not a date, but we have a time. Uh, summer mm-hmm. next year so mm-hmm. they it wasn't as ready as we thought it was when no. it was well they say that essentially the gameplay parts are finished it's yeah. just it needs they need in I, to be honest 
It doesn't surprise me that like a modern game from this era requires a year's worth of polishing. Well, yes, but go back to when this was for the first trailer was dropped and I think a year ago. Yeah, a year ago, some in this room <laughs> speculated that it would release this could release this year. I think yes. it was all of us. <laughs> we were like it could had be. the potential to. It yeah. really had the potential mm -hmm. to. Yeah. I don't I to be honest I'd, I'd much rather it have that year of oh, yeah. bug fixing and I thought polishing. It, I, mm -hmm. I was worried that it was that far ahead. Like if, if it would release like last year, like how long have they been working on this? So yeah, give it the give it a good polish, give it a good rub. Um, so let's, uh, let's, so let's talk about 16 a little bit. I know that we're a 14 podcast, but this is a new mainline Final Fantasy game. We've not had this since And 15. our boy, the PlayStation 4, Yoshi P is leading the project and a lot more, which we will get to. Uh, so, I mean, this is, it's, it's important to, to cover. Um, okay, so th when the trailer, after the trailer was released, um, well, before it was released, Yoshi P was like, okay, we're going to start doing interviews and all that, and essentially saying, it's on, it's on now. The PR machinery has started up, we're going to start giving out a lot of stuff, and boy, did they. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll read this um, statement from uh, both Yoshi P, but also Hiroshi Takai. Uh, who is the director. So y Yoshi P is the producer and Takai is the director of Final Fantasy 16. Uh, so I'll read Yoshi P's lines first here. Uh, Hello everyone, I know uh, how long you have been waiting for this, so it gives me great pleasure to announce the release of our latest trailer, Dominance. In previous interviews and updates, we didn't delve too deep into details about the game's system, but hopefully with this preview, you uh, were all able to get a better picture of what actual gameplay will entail, namely high-octane battles featuring our protagonist, Clive Rossfield, wielding a full arsenal of attacks unique to the game's many icons or summons, not to mention epic clashes between the icons themselves that put you right in the action. The team, under direction of Hiroshi Takai, has entered the final leg of development and is focusing on polish as they continue their march toward, uh, toward master up Sorry, master up and launch. I, for one, would like to personally thank them for all the hard work they've put into the project. With the power of the PlayStation 5 behind us, we're looking to take you on a seamless, story-driven, white-knuckle ride that will rival even the most thrilling roller coaster. So oh. buckle up, the wait is almost over. Well, see, I don't word. like roller coasters, so that's <laughs> not very appealing to me. So the what's... most interesting word in that is seamless. Yes, that's what I was just gonna say. Because mm. so this is not gonna be. So we're already starting to see it now that we're actually getting games that are just made for the PS5. Because there's been a long time where games uh -huh. have just been produced with PS4 in mind. Because who owns a PS5? Not enough people have one. But now this this I mean this yes. is not going to release on the PS4 clearly uh, and uh, seamless implies yeah there's not going to be loading screens so yes, they're utilizing so the full cool. power of the PS5. I like, have a loading. deadline now thankfully <laughs> yes you do everyone and has thankfully, a deadline. Thankfully it's a good deadline it's a year from now mm. so you have plenty of time. Come on Sony you're right <laughs> a year yeah hurry up yeah figure uh, it out <laughs> you're very likely to have to get it within like a bundle with like a game and maybe like yeah that's, that's fine that's how i got mine just so. make it a good game yeah that's yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want exactly. it with like like in fifa 2022 thank you <laughs> sorry yeah, that's not gonna be a game no i should have picked madden 2022 <laughs> yeah yeah 
Okay, so uh, the next one is from uh, Takai. First, allow me to apologize for making everyone wait so long for new information on Final Fantasy 16. But the good news is it's finally here. In our latest trailer, we've introduced several new icons, as well as provided a more detailed peek at our action-packed battle system and the freedom it gives players. As for development progress, I'm happy to announce that the game is fully playable from start to finish. Uh, though, uh, though uh, for optimization to brush up, there is still a mountain of challenges to tackle as we head into our final push. Until then, please stay tuned. We'll do our best to not keep you waiting too long before our next update. Hiroshi Takai, Final Fantasy fully 16 director. Yeah, there the game are, is fully there playable. There are QA players that are playing through the whole game right now. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah. Keep uh, your eyes out for for those playstations there yeah there are some available in the uk right now i mean the, the, there's gonna i mean again you have a year uh, to get it but it's it's they're gonna you're gonna get one if you want a ps5 you're gonna get one i think if you just need to look out for them set up like you know reminders or like you know a lot of stores have that option you know to get like an email when it's in stock um, mm -hmm. A lot of I think a lot of stores still do the lottery thing. Just join all of them. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get one. Uh, the reason why we're talking about this specifically, though, is because we now also know who from the fourteen team has moved over or not moved over, but are also working on sixteen. Uh, so um, obviously, uh, Koji Fox now confirmed to be working mm -hmm. on Final yes. Fantasy 16. We already knew that, but now it is confirmed. Localization director. Um, we also have uh, Minagawa. Presumably has a very important role because they're starting with the English job and going back to the Japanese version for right trans for the voice acting. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Minagawa uh, will be art director. Um, mm -hmm. Takahashi will be character designer, uh, and of course, our own uh, Masayoshi Soken will be the uh, composer. If you've watched the trailer, you can already hear you it. You can hear it immediately. Mm. The music is mm. great in that trailer. Uh, and don't forget um, Kazutoya, my hero. Oh yeah, my hero, of course. Oh, Creative yeah. director and original You're screenplay. Here, right? Yeah, they will be writing mm -hmm. uh, the story. And uh, if you enjoyed... Don't think about a realm reward. If you enjoyed Heavenswood, yeah, that's a good sign. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And heaven, yeah. I would say sixteen is in very good hands with this crew. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's very. It would exciting. be very hard with this cast. It would be hard to miss. So yeah, fingers crossed. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm big excited for sixteen. No. I don't think I've been excited for a new Final Fantasy game for a long time because fifteen I didn't have. Mm. Uh, PS4, so I didn't play that until the winner's edition. Right. Uh, 13. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. 12, I didn't like the combat of, so I didn't get into it, which has not been since like 10. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is ages ago. Yeah. yeah I remember getting that on PlayStation. Uh, we got the mm. we got Final Fantasy 6 on the PS1 when that released, and it had a 10 demo disc on it. Mm. <laughs> so you could play the 10 demo, and then it finally came out. Back in yeah. the days when PS2s had blue bottoms yeah. on their disc. I loved that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's, Man, I'm excited. It's also interesting because we know, like, 15 
was like the last game that I really waited for. <laughs> but then mm. it just kept falling apart. Like production mm. development, it was I just mean, a nightmare. Fifteen, remember, was originally thirteen. I know. Versus yeah. thirteen, thirteen, it was the PS3. Yeah. Which I remember yeah. so vividly, like being like, "Oh, I bought a PS3 for that." Never, obviously, got to play Versus Thirteen on it. Um, so the um, yeah, so Fifteen. Uh, then I then it came out and I didn't play it very much. Mm. Uh, so this, but this one has probably a really smooth development. Or I mean, they're done. The game is done. Uh -huh. They're literally on the polishing mm. phase. It's a unified team. They all know each other, most of them, already. They've worked together uh. for years. So mm -hmm. this kind of feels like... This is a weird comparison, but it almost feels like uh, for Silent Hill, like Team Silent just working on a new Silent Hill. Do you know what I mean? Like it's Because they all know mm -hmm. what you need for a good game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so... Um, moving on um, to uh, Mogmail. We Mog need to read Mogmail. <laughs> Mogmail is next. Uh, all right, let's let's have a we we can cram in uh, Mogmail. Uh, let's mm -hmm. have a let's have a look. All right. Uh, oh. No, we don't go back here. Sorry, uh, I was distracted because people were saying we were disconnecting, but there's we've literally dropped no frames, so I don't know what that is all about. All right, uh, Mogmail, uh, let's jump into the... F oh, God. First Mogmail. Um, here we go. From Rosa Frandilla from Diablos. Um... Hi, speakers. I had a dream last night about a new system in Final Fantasy XIV, possibly something they could do in Island Sanctuary, similar to gardening. In it, you had three types. I love that we're starting this. This is a dream, by the way. <laughs> Here's a dream. In it, you had three types of pets. A cat, which uh, would just wander around, a dog that would find rare items, and a kangaroo, which could also fight, act almost like a chocobo companion. So as to make them different, you could use different foods, and you couldn't see the next type until you had unlocked the one before. While not necessarily as I described, uh, that would uh, what would you think of a pet system where we trained animals and what other ideas do you have that they could do? Uh, would you be interested in something like that in Island Sanctuary? Have you had any dreams with something you might find fun related to 14? Rosa Frandilla, Diablos, Ragnarok. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. Island Sanctuary <laughs> remains a mystery. What's the reward for raising the pets? <sighs> Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You can't give people well, a system without a reward. The that's dog MMO. finds rare items, Mela, and then the helps is like a chocobo companion, so it helps you fight. Mm. The cat is as purely aesthetic. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, just like real cats. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's well, they, they would keep pests at bay. That would be nice to have the cat just do like, like constantly mm -hmm. keeping. Let's say that your crops could be attacked by rats, but Ooh, if you have a yeah. cat. That mm -hmm. won't happen because the cat will will kill them. Um, yeah, I don't know what is a, a pet system where we trained animals. I mean, I want, I want Pokemon, <laughs> but obviously <laughs> we're not getting that. But um, it would be nice if they. One, I think one of the most interesting systems they've made in this game is the Chocobo breeding. 
for the yeah. gold saucer racing. Yes. But I don't like Chocobo racing particularly much. Mm. But that idea of having like the pedigree stats and working towards like a level nine max stat high pedigree Chocobo. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. enjoyed that. So maybe like maybe you could work system. with other Yeah, maybe like I don't know what the end goal is. It's not like a mount or something, is it? So that's that's the thing about this whole island sanctuary thing. Is like what what is the incentive? Exactly. Like because they. I know it's just a chill, but like it needs some reward or something to gain. Because in the end, this is Mm -hmm. a video game. Like in Mm -hmm. there has to be something to give us that you know. Mm -hmm. To want to be there, but uh, probably you to farm things, farm props. Yeah. Maybe. I yeah. We if they can get a proper like the gardening system just for everyone, it'll alleviate mm-hmm. almost all the complaints about. That's true. I, not yeah. all of them, but a lot of the complaints about housing. Well, not completely comparable because of how bare bones the system I'm about to mention is. I feel like this is this expansion's version of like airships and submersibles. Mm. Also, would be okay with that because I quite like that system. Yeah. Yeah. But like more in depth. More in depth. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I would hope. So, I've been caught. I I don't really want to like dream like too much about what uh, <laughs> <laughs> what this could be. But I mean, obviously, every we always pull comparisons to like Animal Crossing with this, which is why I feel like they've pushed it back because they kind of panicked because we everyone was like, oh. Oh, this has to be the most ambitious thing they've ever put in the game. They're like, yeah. no, 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 it's submersibles, but you know. <laughs> but, uh, so I, ho- I was hoping we would be able to like customize, you know, mm-hmm. our little island, which I think they've sort of, kind of told us that we are able they've to. They've implied some way. it, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it would be cool if furniture would be compatible with Island Sanctuary, Ooh, so you could use yeah, housing you could items. dump all your stuff I've, there. Yeah. I've said this that I. I would be fine if Island Sanctuaries only allow you to use outdoor furnishings because as it is right now, there's, they're very restricted. Yeah. Um, you can only have 20, 30, or 40, depending on the size of your house, and then the storage is only that large as well compared to the 200, 300, or 400 stored items you can have in a house. Yeah. So, like, just having another location to store outdoor furnishings would be nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, if there was a breeding system... Maybe that could tie into the submersible. So, like, you have a ship and you crew it with uh, animals, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then if you have really good bred animals, they get better rewards or something. Like, yeah. similar other MMOs have those sort of, mm-hmm. you know, well, like things where you send them farming, out. If you're farming certain things, like sheep, maybe that's particularly appealing to, like, certain markets and then oh yeah like trading. trading with you'll get you'll get certain things in return yeah so depending yeah. on what you choose to farm will depend on what rewards you might get from it mm-hmm. yeah yeah but it'll probably just be like a circle of island and you can pick between three different preset like buildings and maybe well you can get a minion out Maybe, I'm, but remember, this will be the base island sanctuary. This is probably living content that will get stuff. Hundred percent. Well, so Ideally, I don't, I don't yes. mind if but we it, just get it three. It can't be rubbish on launch because they will all lose faith immediately in well, the system. Yeah, because they've hyped it too much. They've kind of shot Even themselves the in the foot. Even the car is our fault, but 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they've hyped it very much at all. They haven't, but, but they, they, Because but they, they've not told us enough. But they know how this yes. works, because they, they were like, Island Sanctuary, they even released uh, artwork of it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. Island Sanctuary is going to be incredible. Uh, minion stuff, you know, stuff like that. And then they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Well, that's the main thing Stop that has been promised to us or confirmed to us is that it's a place where you can have minions out and about. That's one of the highlights of the artwork is that it features a lot of minions but, in addition to the horse and the chocobo. Yeah, but I don't think hmm. it matters if it's shit because uh, some people is go- are going to love it and it's not going to be in it's going to be instanced most likely so if you don't like it you're just never going to see it mm. and it's not something That's that true. necessarily needs a lot of maintenance on the development mm-hmm. side it's more of a vibes than a plot mechanic y- yeah 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 <laughs> uh okay there you go uh thank you uh, rosa uh remember you can send in more magma at speakers speakers xiv.com slash mail. we have to move so um now on to our main story <sighs> yoshi p pitch to use I know. Where's the wine? This uh, there is no wine. This is a plain picture of Yoshi P. And I'll tell you the reason is, I already had a tab open with the uh, we talk about Vanadil uh, interview, and they uh. had that picture in it. I'm like, I'll take it. So there you go. <laughs> Next time we do a Yoshi P interview, there's going to be so much wine. There'll be more wine than Yoshi P in the slide. I promise. Uh. Um, all right, so this is more of like a bullet points thing um, for... Uh, it's, a, it's a Yeah, it's a short it's, translation yeah. of the highlights from an interview. Yes, this is the interview done uh, with uh, Game. That's the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's translated. Uh, this translation is provided by Reddit user uh, M, M. Killerby. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Since the implementation of duty support in 6.1, the number of new players starting the game has increased, and especially in Japan, people who were hesitant about the MMO genre are coming in. Because of this, he still thinks there's potential for further growth in the Japanese market. He also says he's happy there's been so much feedback from the new players, saying it's easier and more fun than they imagined. So, That's good. to go with our great discussion from last week, I think this shows that it's been a success. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In the main story for 6.1, he gave the direction that the dialogue should have a positive sound to it. For example, while it may uh, have been in character for Yoshtola to have a sarcastic line when you meet up with her, that could make a negative impression. With how Anne uh, Walker wrapped up the story arc and sent the characters on their own paths, for the next patch, four months later, he wanted the reunions with characters like Yoshtola to have a positive vibe to them in keeping with setting out on a new adventure. That is fair. Yeah, because this was quite a pleasant uh, patch compared to what we've been experiencing up until now. The only really dark parts are the parts that are set in the void. And yeah. There's not much uh-huh. context to that right now. True, 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 true. Uh, he also comments on our reunion with Astinian. Based on what happened in Endwalker, you'd expect Astinian to get tricked again. But then it turns out he knows it's a scam. It's a fun scene because players have traveled this far with these characters and have seen Astinian's character growth. Yeah, it was a, that was a That's neat moment. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a bit worried people would forget who Nabdeen is for the final scenes of 6.1. I'm sorry, hate. I'm sorry, hate. <laughs> <laughs> Nabdeen. Um, 
fair, I guess. I feel like, I mean, I it, the name sticks out, though, so I, I, I feel like I would have remembered the name, but... Who is Nabdane Mela? Nabdane? Yeah. Uh, an Aura? Yes. Yeah. Um, NPC in Final Fantasy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, the man who, you remember when you went to the <laughs> I love that place where the birds are? <laughs> You know the yeah. place where the the, the hatchery places. When yeah. you went there with Vert and Vasham was there. He was one of the guards. He's like the captain of the guards or whatever. Yeah. He's captain of. I can't remember the name of the, the radiant guard. You, yeah, the radiant you, you, host. You, you, mi- you might host, remember yeah. him as the man with no texture to his yes, face. Yes, he's the smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a yeah. smooth face man. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, okay, uh, you're set. Fe- uh, well, set set beside. The really ugly man to take a bit of the yeah. focus away. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, Yoshida, on that Yostola scene, I I was really at a loss of what to do. Uh, there was a part of me that felt, aren't we getting a bit carried away here? One point we pay attention to is not to turn Yostola into a joke. For sure, within the community, you've got things like people calling her mommy. <laughs> mommy. What? Uh, but it would be wrong to indulge that. I agree. Pro- it would be wrong to indulge that. Properly speaking, we should handle. Indulged it before. <laughs> properly speaking, we should handle Yastola's character properly, and I don't much like just drawing on this one character trait. So I felt this is the breaking point, and we shouldn't go further than this. By the way, I hear Yastola's voice actor uh, Kayano uh, Ai performed a lot of different takes on this scene. He continued. I'm thinking we should stop uh, breaking the characters any more than this. This time, it ended up with Yostola having a magical girl face where she was self-consciously cute. Laughs bitterly. I would laugh bitterly. This was not his favorite scene. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah, I can say that. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily fit her character. I agree with him because it's hard when you're doing it. Like, it was probably hard when you were like, directing an MMO and the community has all these like memes with the characters and like oh this is this mummy you still was like oh and maybe the dev team's like maybe we should put some of that in like as easter eggs but yeah in the end you're kind of breaking the yeah like you said you're breaking the character just for a joke uh, and I think this is fine because it's contextual it's it's placed contextually with what you was like as a child which yeah, yeah. is fair because a lot of people were like cringy as children <laughs> right yeah, yeah. yeah that's true it's not the worst thing they could have done but if she yeah. came up with this in her like 20s then that would be that would be yeah immersion yeah. Bre- or character breaking yeah mm-hmm. on the treasure hunt dungeons he hints that the dialogue about orianje and the lo- uh, loperates is tied to future updates the next update will be in line with what's come before but in the longer term he's thinking about adding some different types of gameplay to treasure hunts necessary i would say especially for the pre-dungeon phase yeah that's interesting though oh yeah absolutely that they're uh, okay they're not just gonna like just shove out like a new roulette you know thing and be like treasure hunts updated it does sound like we are getting the roulette wheel but then they're gonna get something else yeah 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 Yeah, roulette wheel's the best one well we have to get the roulette you can't you can't take content away from us (laughs) we we still expect the roulette i mean i don't think people would complain if they took the 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 two hallway system away from us that's true well let's not start on the three hallway 
motorway system for the <laughs> Super Ram. Actually. Right. But right. we don't have that anymore. No, they did right. actually take that away from us. Yeah. It's it very unfair. The, Too hard. Okay. The interviewer brings up the 6.1 void scenes links to Final Fantasy IV and Golbez. Yoshida is pretty coy in his response, but does mention in the uh, the previous discussion, the previous discussions that Endwalker is a uh, homage to Final Fantasy IV. In 6.0's main story, this was perhaps less than people expected, but the Final Fantasy XIV team is aiming to pay off people's expectations in that regard. So, for those that were still questioning whether or not this was an actual Final Fantasy IV reference for some reason, I have seen that. There you go. <laughs> well, Done. What were people thinking it was, if not a four reference? I don't Just know. They're like it one could, reference. No, because they're like, yeah, it could be one. Like it could be a, like, and I'm like, Endwalker was a, just a big four. It's supposed to be a four reference. We're on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you could argue it as one though. But now we know. Just it yeah. isn't. Mm-hmm. It is four. Uh, and there's going to be more four but stuff. A Stranger coming. of Paradise reference. <laughs> Yes. I wouldn't be against that. The, the, what are they, Lunafarians <laughs> or whatever? Maybe they're going to... I wouldn't be against it Luna because France. it would bring Stranger of Paradise further into the game, no, which will annoy Mela. Yeah. Push it away. What were they called? Luciferians? Luce, Lu- Luna... Uh, I don't remember. Lufarians? Lufarians. Luf- Luf- something like that. Something, something like that. We're already forgetting Stranger of Paradise lore. I don't think anyone cares. Lufenians. 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 Thank sure. you. That's Why what it was. Um, okay. Um, on Aglaya, uh, this time an unnamed ju- uh, junior writer who was noted for their work in 5.x on the Beast Tribes and so on was given the challenge of stepping up and writing the scenario for this alliance raid. Ishikawa and Yoshida made various outlines for the story and this was weaved together with the junior writer's ideas. That's nice. That's nice mm-hmm. other than the fact that they've well censored this person. Just Yeah, they have a good storyline. It's weird that they I mean Yoshi P probably just didn't mention them by name, yeah. sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Poor poor lad. So this is the next I one. Think, yeah, go on. I think it we're went on a good path to Aglaya. I don't know what to think of that Rugadan lady that they introduced towards the end of this part mm. part of the Aglaya storyline. She's very strange. I need more context for her. Or yeah. is she just going to turn into like the sunglasses wearing uh, Viera that Mela doesn't uh, like? Yeah. She could. She's very like air, airy and then suddenly just, right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this next one uh, caused a little bit <laughs> of uh, outrage. Uh, it is implied the 12 specifically mentioning Nofika could look different than the in-game depictions we've seen from their worshippers so far. They would even they could even have a different gender. That's so interesting because the whole point that we went through in the Aglaya storyline was researching them and like, ah, oh, they do look kind of similar to the statues and like tributes that we've made to them since then. Yeah. It would be strange to be like, oh, we got all 11 of the depictions right, but Nofika, we just, we were wrong on that one. It was actually a, a dude. Like, it, yeah, like, if they hadn't started the storyline with everyone looking pretty much how we expected, that would be a more interesting comment, but it's very unusual just to say that. Hey, maybe Nofika's just a cross-dresser. Yeah, maybe. 
Well, and they fooled mortals, and that was like their big aim. Maybe they got, they got, maybe what? they got, they they got their jollies out of there. Maybe they enjoyed them. They thought it was funny. It's the jokes. They're gods. They don't. Yeah, they true. don't have like. I. Uh, they I fucking lied to us about wanting to take over the world. <laughs> what do they care? Yeah, that's true. Uh, they uh, wanted to be known as the matron for all time. Yeah, but really, they were the master. It also, remember that this could just also be Yoshi P going just throwing us off or something i don't know he, he he sometimes he says things that isn't i do agree with you true. there it's just weird that he highlighted nothing yeah that's true but that's don't true. worry guys uh, menfina don't you worry your love is gonna isn't be it also Ooh. strange though that like nofica yeah, again this mentioning nofica specifically considering she's like considered the matron of the yes the 12 is as it well? because the artwork of her is especially booberific yeah that they're Possibly. just trying to tone down your expectations yeah. like they're not all just going to be big calm down men and women surprised by that if if they are if that is the case kind of surprised that none of them booberific mm. surely mm. one of them is that just feels like character design in this game <laughs> yeah it does. yeah yeah i'm sure one will be yeah. it'll be menfina Okay, uh, we're moving on. Uh, Yoshi didn't think Nalthal would be so popular compared to Zayma. He's impressed by the amount of fan art of the Twelve since Aglaia oh, released no. and the positive. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Uh, um, and the positive fan reception. The scales mechanic started out quite unforgiving, so it took quite a while and quite a bit of work to figure out how to adjust it. Yes, because it's not. It doesn't require exactly an even amount on each side, thankfully, because no. that would have been torturous to do yes. with 24 random people. Yeah. Um, I have seen Naltal be probably the most popular of the four from this raid tier. Mm -hmm. In terms it of does artwork make... or just general reception? In terms of artwork. Um, I, I've seen the most artwork of Naltal, then maybe Azema after that. Um, I think he's the most interesting design. I mean, he's also got the most interesting fight and is the only one with a unique battle song. So he's given a lot of focus in the raid. Yeah. I think that the fact that he thought Azema was probably going to be the most popular is probably why we get her minion. Oh, that yeah. could be true. Yeah, true. Um, it's kind of a little bit... <sighs> Suzaku-esque. I feel like I mean, we've yeah, seen Azema already. That's... She's another fiery lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, moving yeah. on to something completely different now. Crystalline Conflict. Just the planning stage took around a year. The team in charge of PvP don't just work on PvP, but all sorts of other battle content and job design. So it wasn't constant planning for the entire year, but it still took quite a while. Yeah. I mean, they were making a brand new thing, so... PvP mode. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, I'd be worried if they would spend their entire time on PvP. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's where Tanaka is. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first decision in the planning stage was to get rid of role bindings, as in feasts where teams had to have tanks and healers. The starting point was to give each PvP job self heals and to make their skills job specific rather than role specific. Mm -hmm. A clever mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. Maybe a bit confusing for healers yeah. to adjust. Yes. It is weird um, not having to heal everyone. Although. It is still expected, obviously, because you have healing spells. Yeah. But, yeah, you have some yeah. in your kit, but it's not like the focus anymore. No. Um, after this initial plan, there were various ideas, such as Blue Mage-only PvP, 
the idea was for it to be a battle royale style game with a large arena in a gradually narrowing area. Instead of picking up weapons, you'd use Blue Mage's learning ability and fight with the abilities you learn. This I would like. is really cool. Yeah. And the fact that they've put this out there into the universe is very dangerous of them. <laughs> I would love that mode. That's pretty wild. Yeah, what did yeah, they... Just like a, a, a massive arena that is like that is like inhabited with like just random enemies that have blue mage skills. You mm -hmm. seek them out. And then also maybe when you kill other people, you get their blue mage skills as well. Yeah. They drop them all on the floor and then you can be like, oh, I got, you know, night blue Merly. Yeah. I'm going to go and kill some noobs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I've already loved that. Yeah. Uh, for the main non-blue mage PvP mode, it was considered at one point to narrow things down to only eight jobs. However, the team in charge of PvP emphasized that people will want to play their own jobs in PvP. The team has been able to give the jobs very distinct abilities with their limit breaks, some that otherwise would have been hard to fit into an MMORPG, such as Dragoon going invincible for a while with their jump limit break. And dragons are just doomfist when they're limit it's breaking. Fun. Yeah. It's unique to just very see this cool. like circle on the floor and you can move around. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to eight jobs, so... But when I first read this, I thought he meant um, they should scale the feast back to 8v8v8 8 8 or whatever, and I was like, yeah, that you should do that. Yeah. But no. <laughs> um, yeah. It uh, was so much better. I guess. Was it really, though? Like, for the, yeah, for the feast? Was, yeah, because... No, sorry, no, for Frontlines. Front oh, Frontlines. Oh, yeah, no, that you was better. You, yeah, made a, you actually better. mattered, yeah. and the fights weren't just Zergs. That's, it was yeah. much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, regarding Dragonsong, he praises the skill of raiders since the new ultimate is even harder than Unending Coil of Bahamut. For the next ultimate, it may be hard for the team to keep making this level of difficulty each time. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you have to be the main that level of difficulty every time as long as it's very, very hard. Mm. No, the main difficulty is figuring out the gimmicks and it's, I guess it's hard to come up with interesting gimmicks. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it was Nakagawa, aka Mr. Ozma's idea for the Heavensward story to play a big part in the Dragon Song Ultimate. This was the idea from the very start. There are already ideas for the next Ultimates after the 6.3 one, but the team are discussing whether to calm things down for the time being, since making it uh, with so much story each time might be hard. Mm. Still expecting my Warring Triad one. Yeah. Warring Triad one could be pretty interesting but i would i would fully accept just ultra hard versions of the three fights mm -hmm. maybe with kind of boring <sighs> what there would needs, be like the tie in to lead up to some sort of kefka yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. true yeah and well, we can just have it as like I was just thinking about Marisid, yeah. <laughs> we can <laughs> Yeah, we can just have the wandering minstrel just like say, this is a tale I heard from some talking robot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um okay, the last part is a little I don't fully understand. The devs are going to experiment with implementing ad implementing adventurer plates into other content. Oh, actually, I understand it now. Starting with four-man dungeons in a way that doesn't interfere uh, or interrupt players' experiences. I'm assuming 
the dungeon starts by showing the plates, like in PvP? Yeah, similar to how PvP does it. That'd be very cool. That would be interesting. I guess. But maybe a bit obnoxious sometimes, but they yes. should do it like yeah. Lost Ark at the end where it's like highest I mean... damage, Melevanadar, and then <laughs> best tank. You just want you just want to be praised. Yeah. I mean if they do because every dungeon starts with like duty comments so oh, like it has to not like it has to not sh cut it, through anything it, it has to no i agree we are it held has to be that in same place. length of time yeah it we're, can't be any longer than that we're always held in place for a set amount of time like at the start of a yeah during the bit before the portal thing disappears yeah that keeps don't you add any wait time to show them also no. but don't maybe, cover the screen either yeah don't cover like... the screen maybe have it like smaller like i don't know I don't mind them covering the screen at the start of the dungeon because, like, you, it's your first enemies. Time. I mean, if it's after you've already got your your opening scroll, if this is your first time, you've had a look at the dungeon. Oh, okay. So, uh, so you mean once like the dungeon just starts and you're actually controlling yeah. the character? Oh no, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I just but don't cover the cutscenes. Oh, There's normally no. like a good like couple of seconds before you encounter your first group of mobs yes. where like even if there's something covering the screen you know the general direction it's not like you're going to be so thrown off that like you can't you'll have to freeze in place no that's true i think it'll be fine and uh, a good idea i guess add some more life to dungeons at the beginning anyways mm -hmm. and it also introduces you to your teammates uh for mm -hmm. the dungeon uh, okay, well that is uh, that is all she wrote. Um, that's it for for this episode of Speakers of Hydlin, episode three hundred and two, uh, on this uh, uh, beautiful June fourth. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Remember to follow on Twitter at speakersxiv, twitch.tv slash speakers of youtube.com slash speakersxiv, exclamation Discord in chat if you're watching uh, live, if you're watching on demand, links in the description. Remember to send us mogmail, speakersxiv.com slash mogmail if you're watching live post show is about to begin so make sure you catch that uh we'll see you there take care goodbye bye, bye. you've just listened to an episode of speakers of Heidelin, produced by speakers network producer for this episode was lukeel bravestone final fantasy and final fantasy 14 is a registered trademark of square enix holding company limited if you would like to support the show, consider pledging to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash speakersxiv or buy some merch at teespring.com slash stores slash speakersxiv. Link to both of these sites, as well as our Discord server, is provided in the episode description. Thank you for listening to this Speakers Network production.